Sometimes dead is better. Blood and Black Rum Podcast presents Pet Cemetery 2019. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coldsplantation.com. I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? Um, back today with a second consecutive episode in a row. Um, it's been a big time at the theater recently. So we've had uh, Shazam, which we did last week. And you know how we always go out there and take on those uh, comic book movies real quick. Uh, and then we had, and it was actually the same weekend that the two movies released, but we had Pet Cemetery that released on the same weekend as Shazam. So we had to kind of decide like which one should we go and see. And it was just, some of it was just convenience and some of it was, uh, I don't know. There was actually, there was no other made decision made except for, it was like, Mary, this is what we're going to do on Tuesday. And then this is what we're going to do next week. But so, uh, we, uh, decided that we're going to do Pet Cemetery, the 2019 remake for this show. And uh, the funny thing is that we normally try to do, like, the other film before we do the new one. Like, uh, Happy Death Day, we did yeah. the original Happy Death Day. We didn't skip right to Happy Death Day to you. In this case, though, we've not done the original Pet Cemetery. Yeah, we, this movie kind of snuck up on us. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, even though it's been in talks for quite a while, uh, and we knew it was coming. Um, I never pinpointed. We didn't prepare very I well. Say, I, did, I didn't pinpoint down the... The date it was coming out. I knew, I saw, seen the trailers, and I was like, oh, you know, this looks... I knew it was April, but I wasn't really... I didn't even know it was April. I thought it'd be, yeah. like, later than that, because usually your horror films, uh, usually yeah. late summer. You know, yeah, late summer. Child's Play, coming out, like, late June, I think. So, um, yeah, we didn't do much, uh, research on this beforehand, so we didn't, um, cover the original film, and, uh, just to kind of... Uh, get into a little bit about that original film. Uh, I like the film quite a bit. Um, I find it pretty fun and though it hasn't aged well in certain aspects, especially it's, um, some of its, uh, effects, special effects work. Um, I think that for the most part, it's a pretty entertaining movie. And, uh, Martin has said previously that he thought it was fairly cheesy in, uh, you didn't think it was intentional, right? You, it was more like, no, it was more like now that it's you know thirty years later. Yeah, it's and pretty that's, cheesy. And, and I haven't seen uh, Pet Cemetery in about fifteen years, so even you know fifteen years after the fact, mm. the effects and tone of the film kind of had evolved into unintentional cheesy. I think one of the um, biggest things that stands out to me is like just the some of the line deliveries and that. Original film, well, not only that, the, like well, the not dialogue only, itself. Say, well, not only that, um, Fred Gwynn, though an iconic actor, you know, don't want to go down that road. Sometimes that is better. Um, iconic and kind of like John Wayne's iconic, right? Yep. Not a terribly great actor. No, I mean he's say, he really just like just had, like, like I say just like John Wayne. He had a success <laughs> in niche things, yeah. but not like like his best acting role. Is my cousin Vinny, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that's a great movie, yeah. you know. Yeah, like most of his things didn't really require him to be a good actor. They required him to be able to get into a role well. So like have a presence. As Fred Munster, yeah. he had to get into a role 
consistently throughout however many episodes the Munsters, Munsters had. But he was, too, we, no one too, would say, like, damn many. yeah, no one would say, like, as Fred Munster, he was, like, a great actor. You know, he's not going to win any Golden Globes mm. for it. And so, yeah, I agree. I think, like, some of it does come down to the sort of memes that have been made out of Fred Gwynn just delivering the best those lines. One, the best one South Park. Right. And the old man comes, you know, just like, uh, I think his first appearance is when they go to Aspen for skiing and Stan, they're getting ready for the ski competition. Stan doesn't know what to do. And he comes out and he's like, you don't want to go up that road. A lot of bad things happen up on that mountain. There's an Indian burial ground up there. <clears throat> and I think he shows up in the Christmas in Canada episode. And then, yeah. uh, so those things have really become like made the movie sort of a meme in itself. Because, just because of the association. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the interesting things about Pet Cemetery, the original, though, was that it was directed by a woman. It's one of the ver- few horror movies that were ever directed by a woman, Mary Lambert. Um, now, she's sort of pulling uh, what you might consider a George Lucas revisionist uh, thing uh, with the, with the uh, new release of Pet Cemetery on 4K Blu-ray. Now, I sort of, it's not as, it's not as big as George Lucas's, but she's going back and sort of revising some of the graphics and the special effects work done. that was done so that they, it can look a little bit updated for the 4K Blu-ray. A lot of people do think that's dumb. Uh, so she changed things like the sky. She changed uh, some of the cat's eyes in uh, the original. The, just things that they couldn't accomplish when they did the original film. And so a lot of people do think, like, from a revisionist standpoint, just li- leave it be. You know, even if it does look kind of weird on a 4K Blu-ray or uh, ultra-high definition now, you just leave it. Because it is what it is, and that's what makes this, the film a film, right? You you don't you don't get a second chance at it unless you do a remake like we were talking about for 2019. Um, and another one other thing that I'll point out because we're not doing a whole episode on the original Pet Cemetery, but one other thing I'll point out is that um, the character of Zelda in the original Pet Cemetery very effective. Uh, that's one of the things that really stands out. You might call it cheesy from today's standpoint, but. That original Zelda character is actually very creepy, and it's sort of an accident that it even occurred. Um, so they didn't really have anybody for Zelda as a character. They had a guy on set. They asked the guy to play Zelda. Wouldn't you know it? It actually became a lot more scary than they would have even expected because this guy was able to sort of give an unrealistic and sickly aspect to a woman. And so I think Zelda is probably the stuff of nightmares for many people, including my wife who I like to torment. And I used to torment her with, uh, when I used to have an iPod touch, which is going back a little ways. I used to have an iPod touch and I, uh, just randomly put Zelda as my, uh, screensaver on at <laughs> one time and stuck it in her face. And yeah, it scares her for a, quite a while. So I think Zelda itself is sort of the lasting, icon from Pet Cemetery, which is kind of interesting because Zelda has really no bearing on the actual literal Pet Cemetery part of the film, but she's sort of like a subplot within that film. So, so yeah, I think we'll end it there on talking about the original Pet Cemetery. We may eventually do it at some point on the show, and I don't want to go into it in complete detail, but um, suffice to say that I, I am a fan of the original Pet Cemetery. Uh, one thing surprising, I've actually never read Stephen King's novel. Um, I have not gotten around to that yet. It's probably like a fifteen page, fifteen hundred page. No, no, this is actually one of his shorter pieces of fiction, and um, so yeah, I haven't, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I know that Michael on Coltsploitation actually did a video 
comparison of the difference between the book and the movie. So if you want to check that out, that's uh, up on our website and on our YouTube page. So give that a look. Uh, but let's get into Colts or Coltsploitation. We're you're on Coltsploitation. You're listening mm-hmm. to Coltsploitation. This is Coltsploitation's podcast. No, um, let's get into Pet plug, Cemetery plug, 2019 plug. a little bit for the intro. Um, so going into Pet Cemetery, what what were you? What did you expect? Were you expecting anything at all? Or John Lithgow? That was it. That was like your main that's, motivation. That's like, my point. John Lithgow's in this movie. I gotta check it out. Yeah, yeah, I was interested in seeing like what the remake was gonna be like, but mainly just like. Oh, they got John Lithgow. Gonna watch it. Side note: Have you ever seen Raising Cain? No. You should really check it out. This is a good John Lithgow movie. Very good John Lithgow movie. I loan that to you as well. Mm. But um, that's just a little side note that you should check that mm. out. Uh, definitely, definitely a good one from him. Um, but John Lithgow, yeah, that's always something, you know, John Lithgow signs on. And he's actually given a couple of interviews about why he thinks the original Pet Cemetery was effective. And so when John Lithgow signs on, you're like, hmm, all right, I'll give it a go, you know. I, one thing I got to know. He's, and he, I was saying, and he's entering the stage now of his career where he can just, he's just going to do whatever. He, sort of the Malcolm McDowell stage. You know, just do whatever the hell he wants. That's why he's like in Daddy's Home too. you know. <laughs> yeah. With like Will Ferrell, Mel Gibson. Now, one thing I have to question, because I haven't seen him in a while, is he really looking as old as he does in Pet Cemetery? Or are they no, making I him think, up a little I, I bit think they, that? I think they, no. Because they've given him like no, because like No, because no, no, I was going to say, no, in Daddy's Home too, he, uh, he looks, you know, fine with like... That's what I thought, you know... With like Will Ferrell, Mel Gibson, he looked, you know, that was only yeah. like a couple of years ago. He yeah, I was fun. a little concerned. No, I, I think like, they just made him look like a backdoor mainsman. I know? think so. Yeah, yeah, I was hoping so. I, I was hoping like they just made him look a little bit like dirtier and uh, grungy because he, you know, this is just the kind of guy he is. He's an outdoor guy. He's like constantly picking around in a in a pet cemetery <laughs> in the in the woods and swamps. So I guess they just wanted him to be looking a little bit gruffer for this movie. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out, though, about John Lithgow is that if I ever get a white beard like that, that just has a little bit of coffee stain in the middle of my – underneath my lips like that, just make me shave that because that's what <laughs> he want, has going on say you don't say you don't want to be like Uncle and Red Dead and have like a nice like tobacco stain no, in your beard? No, yeah, because that's exactly what John Lithgow has going on in here. He's got you know nice, thick, full white beard and then right under his lips is just like a little yellow spot. You know, a cigarette, and... perhaps. I don't want that. I never want that. So I'm going to shave that part off. If that ever happens, or if it grows in and I like have one patch of red hair in my white <laughs> beard, I'm shaving that shit. So just wanted to point that out as well. Uh, other than that, though, for Pet Cemetery, like not a whole lot of like well-known names in this one. They got um. Low rent, just like with Shazam having low rent, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd impersonator. We got like a uh, Chris Pine impersonator or Chris Pratt. I can't. I mix the two fucking up all the time. Um, when you're saying Chris, w- w- so the guy from Parks exam- and Rec. Okay, Chris Chris Pratt. Okay, yeah. So Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah. Chris Pine's from Star Trek. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, <coughs> too many fucking Chris Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Yeah. yeah. So Chris Pratt from Parks and Rec is the dad in here. Yeah. Like a, with, a, with a slightly southern accent, which doesn't make any sense because he's from Boston. Yeah, I did note <laughs> that as well. He had a very strange accent that didn't really didn't really correspond with Maine. Doesn't really correspond with Boston, New England it's, area. Yeah, it's yeah. not really a yeah. 
But uh, yeah, that's Jason Clark, and I don't know him very well. I know that he's been in things, but I don't know him. <laughs> I don't know him that well. Um, I think yeah, he uh, some of his bigger things were like Zero Dark Thirty. He was he was in Terminator. Oh yeah, that's right. He was in Terminator Genesis. He was John oh. Connor in Terminator Genesis, which. Uh, having seen that movie How can three we, years, four years ago, I can't believe I forgot it. You know, because it made such an impression on us when we saw it the first it's time. It's one of the longest episodes we've ever done. <laughs> Actually, right, to be yeah. honest with you, I think it's our longest, I think it is our longest episode. Yeah. That or Batman v Superman. Yep. Because that, that runs in like to nigh on three hours. Yeah. So he was in that. Um, then you have... Amy uh, Seimitz, I think is how you pronounce it. But I could Seamitz, be wrong. Could Seamitz. be Seimitz. And I do know her from a couple things. She was in Your Next, which is the one that stands out to me the most. Um, being the uh, one of the characters that's killed off in Your Next. Um, but other than that, not really anybody that I recognize too much. I don't know why, but for her role in Alien Covenant, I thought it said farts. <laughs> Instead of Ferris. Looked like it said farts. And then um, the rest of your cast is sort of like uh, younger younger people because you have um, the kids. kids. You have Ellie and uh, Gage, and neither of them are really, you know, super well-known. And uh, that's pretty much it for – I mean, you have some some secondary characters. Which, by the way, one thing I've noticed over the years, which I haven't brought up to attention, but something I have noticed just because of this film – Bless you. Thank you. From And from other films. Remember how back in the day when you're watching a movie and you get the opening credits and it's going through your cast of characters and you get to the and? Mm-hmm. That and is reserved for the new guy. New person coming in. You mean like previously? Yeah. Like how it used to be? Yeah. yeah. Nowadays, that and is reserved to the big name guy that's, you know, just on for the support supporting role. Right. You know. Yeah. So like in this, it's like Jason Clark, Amy Simons, and John Lithgow. You know, they, like, That's been like sort of the big thing now. Ant, well, say with Ant Man, it's like Paul Rudd and so and so and Michael Douglas. Yeah, you know, it's like the the person who really only they could only sign on to the movie if they got the end, right? Like, like I said, like I said, it used it used to be back in the day that end was reserved for someone new, right? Like it'd be and introducing and introducing or, or yeah. and you know. You know, so and so, yeah, from like other work that hasn't gotten like you know, it's kind of like a more of a, um, if they were like, like coming like a, from music to a, a movie or movie something like or, or, or or like it's like uh, kind of more like a character actor, like so mm-hmm. like they play like certain like so they known for playing a certain like type of archetype. They would get that and tacked on as like that supporting character who's like that kind of archetype. I think of... even in Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers, Paul Rudd gets an and introducing Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. Well, it, he had, it actually does not go by Paul Rudd. Yeah, the... his full middle name yeah. there. It's like Paul Thomas Rudd or whatever. I don't even. I made that up. I don't know if that's his middle name or not, but it sounds good. Sierra Nevada. Paul <laughs> Sierra Nevada yeah. Rudd. Yeah. So I mean, jo- uh, to- so John Lithgow does get that and credit here. Um, I don't know. It's just it's weird, but it's just something I've noticed over the years now. Yeah. Like that, your uh, big name actors are get, you know who are getting signing on for these smaller supporting roles, or yeah, you know. yeah. If that was like Robert uh, De Niro in that role, it would say and Robert De Niro. <clears throat> yep. So I will admit that I didn't have much faith in a Pet Cemetery remake. Uh, it's not that I wasn't even like I had like low expectations is I was really just not super intrigued either way. You know, I was just like, yeah, okay. 
Pet Cemetery remakes coming out. Um, I, I say I lean more to the positive for once. Mm-hmm. Just because the recent string of remakes have been on the good side mm-hmm. and been put in the hands of people who actually like and know the original material. Yeah. You know, I thought. Yeah, it's. it's uh, well, you know. It's different from like the Miramax 2000s era remakes just, where it was just like sort of life. Just pumping out Texas. Now, you know, you know what's taking that place? Biopics. Of music acts. I know. Now those are like sort of lifelessly pumped out. Like, I, well, that's why I told you when we saw the Elton John trailer for, you know, Rocket Man. I, I said, um, I go, so what is this like? Going to be like the new yeah. 21st century version of uh, Behind the Music? They're just going to start pumping out biopics of musicians. And it's just going to be like, he was a geek. And then he changed. And found stardom, and drugs took him down. Yeah, that's what it's going to be. And like I said, there's already a Rocket Man movie anyway. They can't take that one. So, um, I think I think the Ellen John one. The I haven't I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, I just know from watching videos on on YouTube the editing, and it looks fucking atrocious because they <laughs> jump cut every two seconds. Mm. But uh, I think Elton John probably lived the more. Uh, Biopic worthy life than Queen's run. Mm. Mm. Yeah. At least in China. (laughs) (laughs) All that censoring. Uh, All right. So, uh, Pet Cemetery, you want to leave it at that for now for the intro and we'll, we'll move on. After after your little joke there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We kind of have to move on. That was, that was, uh, (laughs) (laughs) that was a doozy. All right, so uh, <laughs> so we have a uh, a beer on the show today that actually corresponds with the film, and we did that on purpose. There are two beers that have been featured in at least that we saw exactly. They were featured in Pet Cemetery, the 2019 version. I can't, I can't speak to the original because I don't remember that far back for that. But um, one of those beers is Hams, and that's a beer that uh, Judd, the character John Lithgow plays, shares with. Um, Jason Clark's character, Lewis. We couldn't get hams. I know places around here that have it, and it's some it's a cheap beer. Right. And very I th- generic style, like PBR style. I think it's owned by Miller Coors Miller. Mm. I'm pretty sure it is. Mm. Um it's kinda like they're uh like a Bush Bavarian for right. them. That's like it's it's tough to find though. I I don't know that I've ever seen it myself. Well, the conven- the place I went the convenience store I went to used <clears throat> to have it. They didn't have it though, but Price Chopper does have it in yeah. thirty packs and eighteen packs. We we did try. We tried to get hams, just didn't happen. So we went with the next best thing, which is also featured in literally one shot in the film that I happened to catch <laughs> uh, when watching. Uh, and it makes sense because it is. A main uh, beer. main brewed beer. It's Allagash White. Now, um, Lewis is drinking this in a pivotal scene, and so it does make sense in a way for us to have Allagash White on the show. We've never had it on the show before. Uh, never really gone out of my way to get Allagash. Uh, tends to be a little bit more expensive for our region, for one thing. Um, I've only seen a couple. I've only seen like the Belgian White. I think uh, Triple and. I think an IPA? Possibly. I really have only had the Allagash White that we have on the show right now. Um, I don't think I've ever tried anything else from Allagash. Um, 
But it is a very popular style in New England, I know, because I used to live there for a while. and uh, A lot of people from there do like Allagash. Uh, it's a popular, even though it's, uh, I guess it would be considered a smaller brewery. Still pretty popular for the region. Gets its name featured in Pet Cemetery, so that's always uh, a plus. And uh, it's a Belgian style, so you know everyone knows that Maine makes really good Belgian style beers, right? It makes sense. Um, but Allagash is a uh, the white is a Belgian style wheat beer. It's brewed with coriander and curacao orange peel. Now curacao orange peel, I have no fucking idea what kind of orange that is. Uh, I don't know that I've ever had one before, but we can suffice to say that it's basically orange, like a regular orange. Now the coriander in the Allagash white. Mean, it just means D.D. Gregorius approved. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it ju- now the coriander in the Allagash white really comes out, and that's something that does make a good Belgian style wheat beer. The coriander element. You want to have which a makes, good, which makes bl- why Blue Moon is such a terrible exactly example. It's very, a, very, very thing, generic. Same thing with Shock Town. It's you know totally missing that nice that, coriander spice. That coriander spice, spice is, is totally non-existent. And if you don't have that, you really don't have a Belgian-style wheat beer. It's, I don't know what it is. It's like a beer with oranges in it. What a perfect blend. Just like the orange and the coriander. Yeah. You know, get that nice citrus sweetness and nice little, you know, slight spice to it. I love it. I love Belgian styles. It is really good. And Allagash does make a good... uh a very good rendition of the Belgian white style. Again, like I said, surprising for a main brewery and probably, well, not so I, I would say, I mean, it is surprising but at the same time, the biggest fucking Belgian brewer probably. And, uh, the, the New York, New England region, not even New York, New England, probably in all, the country outside of new Belgium is uh fucking Amagang. gang. Yeah. And you could say even more so that even though New Belgium probably pumps out more because they're owned by Anheuser Busch, Bush, yeah, um, Gang's owned by the Duval Morton got. So mm-hmm. they, they they you know can at least trace you know they're the ones that pump out Duval, the nice amazing victory ale that uh, is absolutely fantastic. The other thing about Belgian style breweries is and as, that, as I say too, and if the Yankees sweep the Red Sox this, right now, I'll p- go out to the store and buy me a fucking bottle of Duval Celebrate. <laughs> the other thing about uh, Belgian style breweries is that if you're ever on campus, you know it's a Belgian style brewery. Yes, because you smell that the <laughs> the, yeast. the yeast that they're using and the coriander. You it's you can smell it all. It's very very potent. But Allagash does a really good job at at creating this Belgian style wheat beer. And um, I have really no bad things to say about Allagash except for the fact that the beer that we got today was a month out of date. <laughs> so that tells you all you need to know about how many people are drinking Allagash in our region. Not very many. Well, they're probably like, that ain't an Iroquois name. Yeah. I ain't drinking that. <clears throat> it's not a popular style in our area, but Allagash does do a good job. And I like their wheat. Oh, in fact, the girl that rang me up was kind of bitchy about when I was buying it. Why? She's like, ID? Oh. She didn't She didn't know you personally. No. But wow. she didn't say, like, please, I was getting ready to take it out, too. But, yeah, she was kind of bitchy. <laughs> Just a slight diatribe about how you were, you were, uh, harassed, harassed by this woman. Yeah. 
So Allagash White, check it out. You'll see it in Pet Cemetery. Uh, I think it happens about, I would say, an hour and 15 minutes into the film that you see it on the table. So keep a lookout for that. And Hams occurs very early on. It's like the first 15 minutes, I would say. No, it's no. You think it's farther than that? Way later than that. It's like an hour in. No, it's not that far. Yeah, it is. Cause I it, don't think so. No, it's because it's when they're discussing bringing the cat back. Maybe. And that takes, oh, it, you may be forgetting, it takes a long time to build up to that. They got a lot of can- sure. canoodling to do about the house in Maine and the nice little barn house. It's true. Yeah, it might, maybe it is an hour. But Hams is also in there. It's, it happens before Allagash. Not prominently, prominently featured like in... The OG My Bloody Valentine with Wolfhead. No, it's a pretty quick. If you if you blink, you miss the but, actual label. But they were goddamn. They were really. They made damn sure they got every shot. You got to see that goddamn Volvo. Uh, you know, front end. Yeah. To know that hey, he drives a Volvo. Volvo. Yeah. Sometimes I'm surprised that they didn't go with like one of those really stock beers that they use that aren't really an actual beer. Like I think one of them is like they, Kaiser or something. Well, like that. I say this whole thing is just like kind of filled with like plugs. Oh sure. Now nowadays every every movie is well. Like I know. Trying like to plug like a well, when they like pull into the house and the way they park in the driveway, it's like it's like you're not in a fucking commercial. You're parking your car sideways with like the logo. Fo- oh, sure. I'm just pull fuck you know have, fucking like, sh- uh, on the on the front. Of the lawn says like this house secured by ADT something like that. <laughs> just like another. Oh, that another. would be great with the opening. You, yeah. you see like the like the blood stains and the car and the beeping like, like yeah. ADT here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, like, ma'am, is everything okay? Fit one more <laughs> you know, in there. You just you can, you can get another reference in there. Oh. Hell, they got cameras hooked up, so they'd be able to check in. They'd be like the guy running. They'd be like, oh. I'm going to lose my job. (laughs) (laughs) Running down the hallway. (laughs) All right. So let's get into Pet Cemetery a little bit here. We're talking about the 2019 Pet Cemetery, obviously. And um, so this remake is really what I I believe that this remake follows fairly closely the original film for quite a while in in terms of the whole – setup of the plot. So you have a family moving into this new house in Maine. Nice uh, nice barn house. Yep, nice barn house. They've um actually it's like a what is it? Is it a red bricked house or is it a faux brick? Cuz remember they show it and it's very red. It's red, but it's not bricked. It's, it's not bricked. It, it, it no. looks it's like faux brick. Almost. I was gonna say it, it's totally like a like a barn house. It's got the metal sheet yeah. roofing, yeah. and it's a, it, but know. it's a nice place. It's a very nice place. Oh, totally. so you're like Ex- except for the fact, as I pointed out to you, that it's three inches from the fucking road. That apparently the DOT in this area thought it'd be a good idea to have fucking Sammy Hagar put the speed limit up, and it's sixty five. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing with this is too that uh, Lewis and Rachel, the the parents, they have. Two kids, those two small, rather small kids. They a, have two year old, a two year old and a nine year old. Yeah, Ellie, who's nine, and, and uh, Gage, who's two. And so you're thinking, like, when they talk to the realtor, the realtor's like, You have small kids? And they're like, Yeah, we do, actually. I'm like, I know a perfect place for you. It's uh, two feet from the road, uh, 65 on the interstate there. Uh, constantly, constantly, trucks are passing by, say, going to the warehouse. Let's say your house is 
totally covered in shrubbery. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, yeah, exactly. you know, you know where, you nothing, know where? just, it's, it's like, it's a nice house nestled away in the woods, but you, you, you got the, you know, freeway. You know blinded. who the real evil is in horror movies? The realtors. Cause they don't care <laughs> if it's a really the greatest house for you. They're just trying to get their, their own commission. Well, why, I would say, why, well, why would they? These assholes live around Deary. They know what goes on around That's here. That's true, too. They're, they're, they're just they're, like, yes. They're just like, <laughs> this is the least evil house of the, say, look, of the Deary look, houses. Let's say, look, the fucking Pennywise is coming back soon to feast on children. I gotta, that's, you, that's true. That's you know, true. Gotta, if you're a realtor, you probably at one point just throw up your hands like, the house is available again? I gotta sell this thing? This is like the third time this month. Yeah, I, I would I would assume it's pretty tough work being a realtor in <laughs> Deary. Just try. People are asking, like, so who lived here before? Well, mm. um, well, they don't live here now. Uh, they're they not even did, with us anymore. They, they decided to move to Montana. <laughs> really wanted to get out to nice, the big sky country, you know. Yeah. Um, really, they decided they wanted to settle on that ranch life. But uh, this realtor in Pet Cemetery obviously was not thinking very well because. Not only is there a little, like, trucking lane right outside their house, but then there's a vast, uncharted swamp in the backyard as well. Past the pet cemetery with all the creepy crosses on it, uh, there's a swamp back there. It's like, you kids like to play in swamps? It's a great place for you guys. Head on back to the I swamp I almost, I almost feel like, though, the where the Indian burial ground is. Uh-huh. And when they're walking through the like up the uh, steep rock incline and the steps, yeah, I don't think that's actually there. I think that's more like kind of going into uh, like, a different plane. Yeah, yeah, a plane of existence. Yeah, try, yeah, it kind of seems like that. So like the the whole element of the pet cemetery is like the pet cemetery is there, and it obviously has mystical properties yeah. that people believe in. Like they believe in like burying their pet there for whatever reason because it's sort of been this this place that has a mystical property to it. People feel it. But if they go a little bit further, they go into... Climb up that, you know, Pennywise's little hut from It. I think the they, remake they would of call it. that like a barrow, right? If I'm using that term. I think it's a like a barrow. A, like just a fucking massive like... Uh, Pile of a sticks. A 15-foot beaver came through and fucking piled all these sticks into one big, big-ass uh, pile. Um, if they go past that... Then you get into like territory of like a Native American swampland and uh, yeah no I think when they when right. they do that it's like I, the, it seems like they're entering a different I, plane. I would because, agree. I would I would think like you it would you would have to assume that because otherwise it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to just all of a like if I have a swamp in my backyard if I go back there am I just going to be like walking on skulls and stuff? No one's come around me like police. There's a little bit of an issue back here. There's like 15 skulls in the in the swamp. A uh, little concerned of what might have gone on back here. Manson had stopped by here before. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it has. To, we have to kind of sort of take it as a mystical element, and I think it works a little bit more in the in the film's advantage too, because then that CGI doesn't look as bad. <laughs> well, you don't think John Lithgow is going to like a summit with like. Real thunder and lightning crashing down, you know, and I—I I mean, I thought that the the whole element of going up on this burial ground, a special burial ground, and building a cairn, 
uh, which is a basically just a rock burial mound. Um, I, I mean, I think it it jives with the original. I don't remember it being like that far back from the pet cemetery. No, no, it was. More, I maybe I maybe. I think it was. More, I think but, it was more out in the open too. Yeah. Same thing. It wasn't like this big wooded area, right? I, so I think the fact that in this remake, like, well, they're in Maine. Yeah, make it like you know, yeah. and they made it more woodsy and plus in in the uh, portal that we see when they go into it. Uh, all the trees are like missing all their leaves. Yeah. And one of the big things in this film that doesn't even fucking make sense is that apparently it takes place sometime in October slash November because we see Halloween and it's not fucking cold out. And this is Maine we're talking about. It's going to be snowy and cold and all that shit. <laughs> all the leaves have fucking, all well, the trees a, have their leaves out. No, of. not as snowy. No, it's not. It's, as, it's by the ocean, so true. it's going to be. But. The the whole thing is that this doesn't look like autumn in Maine either. It, it, so, I don't know so, how many conifer trees they have up there. You know, nice. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that in. Well, I like I said, I don't know. I'm a horticulturalist. Look, I don't. Well, I've never been up to Maine, no, so I couldn't tell you, Mister <laughs> New England, Mister. I was too good for Oswego, <laughs> and it's and it's bitter winters. No, no, I, I I don't know. So, but I do agree though that it has to be like because you see all the 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 trees that are sort of like stripped of their leaves and then. Once you get back to regular Maine, the, le- the leaves are there. So it's got to be someplace outside of the normal world. Yeah. So I agree with that. But um, basically, that's the gist of it. So you have this house that they they, they go to. They're living in. Uh, Jason Clark's character, Lewis, wants to get away from the busy city life because he's an ER Boston doc. Because Boston is just the biggest fucking bustling town in the world. Well, and he's an ER doc, so he's constantly working nights and night shifts and uh, weekend shifts, well, and then, he's not a, not home for his nine-year-old. Oh, so when old. he signed up, when he decided to be like $400,000 sunken in debt from school, he never thought, like, going to be an ER surgeon. Well, the kind of... Oh, the I gotta stay nights?! God damn! Oh, you know. I think the funny thing is, like, you don't have to move away from the city to not have to work nights as a, on an ER shift. Move to the suburb or something. Yeah, or or like, um, don't even be, like try to get out of the ER. Try to you you don't need to be an ER doc. You can do whatever you want. You can be. I know. So I say how how did how, that work? You went from like an ER surgeon to like college campus. Uh, 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 you know, pre- general practitioner. Well, I'll tell you how it works. You go from making four hundred thousand dollars a year to making forty thousand dollars a year <laughs> on uh, the college campus. Yeah, dealing with STDs most of the time and nosebleeds. Well, you gotta, you got, you got gonorrhea. Good news is penicillin's in it. So that's right. Yeah. You know, take a couple of these and uh, it'll go away. So. You have Lewis, so the the bigger... And thing, I guarantee he's getting paid more than 40 grand. I, re, I was just joking, yeah. I mean, definitely. Definitely <laughs> definitely more like 80 grand. But still nothing compared to like an ER doc in a Where's uh, butternut squash crinkle cut fries as an ER doctor to show him? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so Pet Cemetery sets up this uh, this idea that... They're moving. They want to get away from the big city. They want to like have a little nice little quiet nestled home. And uh, Rachel gets to stay home and be a stay at home mom, caring for Ellie and Gage. I feel, think, feel like she wants to begin with because they don't ever bring up what her. That's true. She never really uh, had a career, so we don't know. It's but, so depressing. <laughs> so they're all they're settled in. 
And the biggest issue and the big theme that comes up throughout Pet Cemetery is what do you believe in in terms of death? Do you believe in telling your kids about death? Do you think like should you should you just explain is there it? God? Is there God? Is there yep, is there a God? Which, is there not a God? Which I will say, weakest part of this film. Having that discussion about God. Because it doesn't work. You have Rachel, who's like, I believe in an afterlife and heaven and all that. Which is fine. But then Lewis is like, I'm Mr. Science, I'm Mr. Doctor, and when you're dead, you're, de- you're fucking in the ground, you're warm food, there ain't no other afterlife, doop doop dee And then, like, just like I'm dying from events that happen, he's like, Use magic to come to back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that that brings us to a really interesting point about Pet Cemetery because he does. He, there's no like actual like thought. Pro- you don't get to see his like thought process, yeah. and then like trying to deal with that. What Rachel's if, very you know solid yeah. on her point throughout the you know film. Him, his jump is more just. Hat, like you know, it like happens, hat, and then he's like, oh, okay, which you I could agree. argue with. You could argue the point. Well, he's in grief, and he doesn't know how to deal with it. So, out of character <laughs> thing. But at the same point, if you're gonna bring up this like stereotypical, I'm Mister Science, and I don't believe in that nonsense, should probably ha- you know have a little bit more, a uh, little bit more inner strife being shown by him in making that decision. You know, well, on to do, on to do that, and, I, and it doesn't help either that. And I don't like I said. I, it's been fifteen years since I've seen the original, so I can't make comparisons. But and I don't remember what the fuck Fred Gwynn does. You know, showing the going to Pet Cemetery and showing that shit. But you know, so it, Judd also kind of seems like out of character too for him to be showing him the goddamn Indian burial ground for the cat to bring it back and all this other stuff because it seems like you know taboo stuff he wouldn't want to touch too. I think what happens in Pet Cemetery is that it takes a really long time to lead up to anything. So it takes the film... Like 45 minutes? Yeah. Until the initial thing happens. And that's with church. the cat. The church to cat. Um, it takes a really long time to get to that point. So you have a lot of setup where uh, Lewis has dreams. He has bad dreams about a kid that got hit by a car on his campus. Um, and Creatively named Victor Pascal. <laughs> Pascal's wager, right? Exactly. Yeah, you, you were looking I mean, at me guess, like, I, like you didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. So I don't. I almost wanted in the theater, but there's actually people seeing this film. If it was like Shazam, I would have probably burst out laughing, like, <laughs> ha, ha, I get it, you know, just like a dumb, like a like a dumbass, because like you know, it's on the note, like because right. it, ha- it happens literally right after the conversation they have about is there, you know, right, exactly. Yeah, and for the and for those of you who don't know, Pascal's wager is basically. Um, if you don't believe in God and there isn't, you know, it's better to believe in God, even if there is no God, because if there, if you believe in God and there is a God, you'll be saved. If you believe in God and there is no God, you won't, you know, oh, there's no problem in you believing. Right. But if there is, if you don't believe in God and there is no God, same thing. But if you don't believe in God and then there is a God, you're going to hell because you're not being saved. So you're hedging your bets, you know, just, just on on your soul. Just believe. Yeah. (laughs) So, but I think that it takes so long to lead up to the point where even Church is killed, you know, and you find out 
on Halloween night that church is, is dead. He got hit by a car. And probably one of those damn oil rigs. That's that, right. You know, yeah, just, just bull- giant bulldozing through. They got to meet their, you know, deadlines. <laughs> um, I think that it takes so long to get there that you have the lead up where you have uh, Lewis being the stoic who's like, no, there's no God. Uh, I just think once you die, you die and that's it. And you have Rachel being that person who has been so, her belief isn't even really a belief in the, in God so much as it is a fear that there is not something else because of what happened of what, with yeah, her and her sister. Exactly. And so you, you have those two disparate ideas and, and that does make up for a fairly good theme. But then once you get to Lewis uh, and Judd actually putting church in the ground and church comes back, there's uh, not really much time for Lewis to think on like what the fuck happened with church and why is he back? He just all of a sudden is believes, okay, they must come back from the dead. Yeah, and the fucking cat looks rabid as hell. If if the cat came back and sit in the closet and, like, hissing and growling, that's not the cat. Okay, Ellie, we're gonna go go to school. I'll see you later. And then you take the cat out back and you fucking beat it with a baseball bat. No, I agree. I would not invite that cat back in. This is just like the funny... Just the way that it looks right now. Just like the... the It's just hilarious. Like, oh, church is back! Oh, he looks like he's rabid! Because the original church, the cat, is fucking cute as hell. (laughs) Just the cutest cat. And then you get the the other church that comes back and you're like, there is clearly something wrong with this cat. Like, not even just that it was dead and now it's not, but it's more like, uh, no, it it got bit by a fox. You know, it's fucked up. And, you know... You old yeller that. Yeah, you old yeah. And, and that's it. Uh, Judd's got a revolver in his, you know. There ain't no way that I'd be letting that, like, cat just sleep with my Daughter. kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, wait, that's, that's, again, that's terrible parenting 101 right there. Um, but, so, the the other question that brings up is, like, do you, do you talk about death with your kids? Do you actually bring it up and say, like, yeah, church died and... You know, sometimes bad things happen and I'm sorry. Or do you just say, like, the cat ran, ran away. away? And so a- or, uh, Rachel, Amy Simons' character, is at- under the impression that it's better to just not tell the kid. Because you- then you're opening things up to having to explain things. She's going to ask, well, where does the cat go? And you're going to be like, I don't know. I was going to say, if you haven't learned, any- if- haven't learned anything from children, no matter what you say... There's always going to be a why attached oh, to Absolutely. And it's, it's like that Louis C.K. bit where he says he's saying for like five hours, he's just, sitting, you know, explaining things to his kid because he'll say, say like something that I'm like, why? And then so it's because of this. Why? Because of this. Why? And you just. And they endless. normally get to the most uncomfortable aspects of it, too. So they're going to ask you things like right away that you just you don't have an answer to. So I think that's where Rachel comes in. She's really uncomfortable about answering those questions. They bring up those bad memories of Zelda. Um, and in this film, Zelda actually has more of a presence than in the original film. So the original Zelda... So what what, what is she plagued by? So um, It looks like she she's has, just um, plagued by the exorcist. She, like, no, she has like... Um, like meningitis like or something like that some something similar that affects your your spine i think it's like um spinal meningitis or i've had that that wasn't fun something like that (laughs) where she wasn't treated and she just progressively got worse and so in this film they don't really how's she not dead then well they i i know there's different types yeah they don't really um they they don't don't really go into it in this movie so much but i believe that 
it was, uh, she has, um, she, I think she had like meningitis or something else. Um, that's similar spinal meningitis. Yeah. That's what she had. She had spinal meningitis. And so it progressed to the point where she really just like did not get better. And so in this film, um, and actually in the original Pet Cemetery as well, but especially in this film, um, they really bring up the point that Rachel was sort of the problem and what caused Zelda to actually die because she fell down um, a uh, dumbwaiter that wasn't working correctly. And that sort of has caused her to have all of these really bad memories of death. And she feels like she's responsible for that death. Still kind of a dumb premise, but... Well, I don't know that I totally agree with... Well, I don't have to agree, but... I don't know that I understand Rachel's mindset that she... Believes in God when this terrible thing happened to Zelda. You would think sort of the opposite. You would well, think she's like, like seven. Tr- well, true. But... But as adult Rachel, you I would think maybe the opposite. I would think like, well, maybe there is no God because like, what the fuck happened with my sister? Why would why would a God allow my well, sister she, well, to have terrible spinal spinal meningitis and fall down a But at the same time, it's, they say later on that she like prayed for her sister's death because yeah, um, she, she actually was, wanted because because Zelda was mean and bitchy and, and scary. Yeah, fucking terrible. Well, again, she was contorted. I don't like. I mean, I was I, when I had meningitis, I, I wasn't contorted like that. I just couldn't fucking move my neck. It was yeah. locked straight up, and then I had a spinal tap. I can imagine that would be pretty <laughs> awful, and you'd just be, like, miserable all the time. No, I I, I, I do, too. My sister, I, don't, I, I still don't understand how the hell she fell down the fucking dummy waiter. Like, was it because she's all cri- like crippled and walking like a zombie? And I think, it, like, so what happened that they show us... And she us, went to open the door, and then she just went, and she, like, tumbled. What they show us was that she wasn't supposed to use the dumbwaiter because it didn't work properly. So she sent the dumbwaiter up, didn't get up all the way. Zelda went in to reach for the tray because then, it, the dumbwaiter was down too far, and then she fell in. And I think that it makes for a good image. Uh, no, it is, it does, but I, I I still think the whole I I, I didn't. Un- yeah, I just it, yeah, it, it wasn't explained that well, and it also takes just such a long time for something that's more just of a scare payoff than anything that relates to the plot. That I think that again, like they should have used some of this time to delve into what both of these people believe. And the differences between them, and why that theme makes sense in the film. Yeah, because if you're gonna if you're gonna put that you know put that out in the open, you kind of have to. There's no point in putting it like I have this. Th- I believe I have this belief, and then like have no yeah payoff. And, and then it. I think that what the only, I was saying, the only one that has a payoff on is Rachel. Yeah, because at the end when she says like I don't fucking put me in that cemetery. Yeah, you know. Yeah, she then she understands like. It's not good. But once you get to the end of the film, I feel like the theme really gets lost, especially the original intention of Stephen King's story and the original film. Sometimes dead is better. Right. The the theme that like um, some like though you might think you want to bring somebody back, you don't. Like there's there's a and this isn't even like something Stephen King wasn't saying like as a theological issue. It's more just like um, a moral issue. Like do you, well, well, we, we have, have something that happened. We have a story that does this better. It's called Full Metal Alchemist. Mm. <laughs> sure, sure. 
But I think... No, like, sure, sure. Have you, you, you've seen Full Metal Alchemist. But... That's the whole point of the goddamn show. It is, it is, it is. But I think... So, in the original and in, in Stephen King's story, the real idea is that he can't deal with the grief that he has... And so that grief causes him to bring things back. And the real moral is that that was not the right thing to do. And though, you know, it helped his grief and it helped him cope, uh, he made things like way, 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 way worse. And the ending of this Pet Cemetery, that's not super clear on what the film really wants you to think about what happened here. I think it's more just uh, kind of... Be like, ooh. Right, exactly. Yeah. There's more of like a, oh, it's a bad ending. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's more of a, you know, they don't really come up with a moral theme or a moral, like, message at the end. There's no Aesop's fables uh, moral to, to the story here. And they sort of leave it as is with, like, a shock ending. And that shock ending. Hey, literally, you're right. It is a bad It's like you're playing a game, like. You're playing Silent Hill and you got the bad ending. Like, yeah. You're like, oh. yeah, you got the bad ending. And it's like, is that really an ending? I don't know. I don't, I mean, I just, maybe I'm biased. Maybe I just like the original more, but I feel like the original at least has something to say. This ending doesn't They're all really, dead. Yeah, it doesn't have I, anything well, to say. say. The, from what I remember from the original, you can correct me if I'm wrong, they're all, you know, they get turned, but he dies at the end. And it's like, you got your comeuppance, you know. Right. Well, at the end there, he brings his wife back. Yeah. And, and she's, yeah. And he yeah he gets his you know like ah oh, exactly and, so and he gets his come up and here they're all turned into one happy zombie family yeah and, and and I just think that that doesn't really have much to say about the themes is like you know and I'm not even looking for a theological like does God exist theme I'm just looking more for like d- is there anything to say about when you bring something back like that and and dealing with grief I don't think it's it very- could it could have been a nice um commentary on like uh bringing back franchises that have been oh, dead really do you think it applies to this one could no i'm just saying that could <laughs> that could have been like a nice little commentary yeah make it because everything's super meta now could have you could have went that route made it like super meta and yeah. like make it like a commentary on like look at them just reviving all these dead franchises because you know money my disappointment was just that for all the darkness that's within this pet cemetery, because it's very serious and foreboding and plotting and, uh, which is why I think this is the whole reason they did this is to, like I said, even though you say, and I would agree. And again, haven't seen the film in 15 years. The original is not meant to be taken as campy. It's more, it's supposed right. to be serious. It's a campy film. Yeah. It ends up what, coming wh- wh- that way. Whether it is or not. So this is like, you know, we got to make it modern. So everything's got to be fucking, you know, brooding. Yeah. The whole fo- the whole color palette this is just gray, bleak, main. Even you yeah, know? even like all of the outdoor shots yeah. are still like what you would Foggy. consider to be sunny. Yeah. It's not really. It's yes. more like there's a overcast sky. There's always no, you know, over and everything's, you know, super serious yeah. and Nothing's really tongue in cheek. It's you know everything's taken very seriously. Yeah. So, and I think that's kind of the whole purpose of why that you know this remake is like oh we're gonna you know kind of tune it for a modern era to make it you know 
fit today by being much more, you know, brooding and serious yeah. in its tone. One thing that I wish that they had le- really left out, even though I think that uh, Jette Lawrence as Ellie does a fairly good job as being a kid, I wish they would have left out people talking after they come back from the dead. Because I think that's where the scare element of being dead and coming back is lost. Because then you have that character turned into sort of like a Chucky character. Where the the characters like sort of now become demonic. And you're just spouting off like one-liners and things like that. It's having, like, like, like an exorcist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And having the little girl growl and try to see menacing. I think it would have been, been interesting to kind of see like... Kind of like it, though it's brought back and it's this evil entity now. But trying to see like the soul of that character still entrenched in the body, and try to see like a fight going on there. Yeah, you know, because again, especially if they're doing this whole battle of you know, is there is there afterlife? Is there not? What happens afterwards? You know, they try to show something positive. Like even though like because essentially now because of. Uh, Lewis's actions, his daughter's soul is now damned to hell because of this. So it would have been interesting to try to see, like, you know, some kind of battle there, Mm. you know, between Elle, who's, like, kind of, basically, as a nine-year-old pure girl, doesn't have anything, like, you know, trying to fight this. Yeah. You know, it'd be more, it'd make more sense as kind of like a, an adult would be succumb to it more because they're older and they are going to be much more jaded. Um, and the fact and the fact that happens, like you know, that essentially Lewis damns his daughter's soul to hell by what he does. The fact that his comeuppance is, well, he gets sent to pet cemetery too and risen from, you know, right? That's there's not, not even there's not much there. There's not yeah. you know not comeuppance. You know, and the same thing. <laughs> Rachel gets sent to pet cemetery too, though she you know. Thinks it's all fucking terrible and doesn't want it to happen mm-hmm. and doesn't want to get sent there, you know. So she gets damned. So basically, Lewis damns his entire family because even though we don't get to see it at the end, Gage is gonna get set. You know, that's the whole yeah. ending is when the happy family comes back back from Pet Cemetery with the Judd's house burning to the ground, and they're like, and Gage is like, hi, you know, <laughs> like so. Like, guess what? He's the one that's getting sent there next, so they can all be one happy undead family. I think um, I, I think the pay, like the Lewis's uh, comeuppance is uh, very very weak. It, it's not even comeuppance. It's yeah, you know. I think the film's most successful tension it comes does come from Ellie when she comes back, and it's those quiet moments where you're not really sure what she's going to do and what she is at this time. Now, I most scary movies don't kind of creep me out at all anymore. But this film does, I will say, use effective sound. Uh-huh. When he's, like, brushing her hair. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. Like, the mats and, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's I was... Very... I don't know if you saw me, but I was, like... I was, like, yeah. fucking flinching. I'm like, oh, God! Oh, I, th- I think, like, those quiet moments And the same, and the same use... thing when they did, did it with the cat. I was like, oh, God! Like, oh, that's the scut. Like, oh, that's awful. Yeah. And I usually don't, like, cr- like cringe or get, like, creeped out. But same thing, too, when uh, poor John Lithgow gets his Achilles slap. I was like, oh, God! That's... Uh, that's a ooh, yeah. You you know the sp- sweet spots to get. It'd be like the Achilles or the knees. Oh yeah, you know? they definitely. I mean, they use that from the original, but then they they changed it up a little bit because you're expecting it come from underneath the bed, and yeah. it doesn't. 
Uh, so it's a little bit nice, nice um, homage to that. But I think like the the most effective <coughs> moments with Ellie are when she's just completely quiet, uh, especially when she's laying in bed in her like death dress. Her eye, her she's got eyes, like, like a like, fucking lazy yeah, eye, and lazy like one's like sunk it. Yeah, it's like and another eye like sunken. Just, she's like, just, I like, feel like just leaving it at that and just not even having her speak, just having her be there, and you can see the obvious like, do I want to lay next to this fucking thing? You, just it, within uh, Lewis's face, like that in itself is enough suspense. You don't need her to mm. then growl like, "Where's mommy?" You know, like that's overkill. Mm. I would have just rather them just let her be, be a mute. Yeah, be like a thing that has come back, and now you're not really sure what is she gonna do. I think that's more effective than having it become like sort of a child's play um, joke. Well, you get that at the end, the too, when they're fighting, fighting in the cemetery. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just... Yeah, I think that, like, some. Of, I think that probably some of the dialogue is the worst elements in this pet cemetery. They should have... Things could have been left unspoken. They could have cut things. Um, the whole um, appearances of Victor, especially to Gabe... Or, I'm sorry, not Gabe. Gage, the kid... They don't even make sense. It doesn't like it. it I, I whole, understand why well, Lewis sees well, Ga- the Victor as a as an entity that's warning him, but for Gage to see the entity at the same time. At the same time, time though, it makes sense because again, going going off the whole like Pascal's wager type thing, it makes sense. But at the same time, it's like, why is he doing that then? Yeah, it, it like makes well, it like, has no cause, bearing because you have well because it's more like he, we. Did he have contact with Pet Cemetery, like, or is he just basically like, a, yeah, a, like a, there's really no connection, like, to a, like a siren, basically, like, yeah, like there's no, like nothing. It's just like, oh, he was there, and then he comes back, comes back from the. It was like, like making me think of like uh, American Werewolf in London, like you exactly, know, just that's like, exactly what it's like, like yeah, but it with, with totally disjointed though, because yeah. it's like. Oh, he's he died in the ER, and you know. Yeah, because he has no connection to Pet Cemetery, and then it's like, yeah, it's like, it just was he was he he had nothing to do. He's like, I tried to save you, and it's like, how the hell do you know about you know the demonic backyard? Yeah, yeah, I I agree. It doesn't make sense, but he he must have been running from dairy because we know they don't like black people there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we didn't talk about. John Lithgow. John Lithgow, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Sometimes. That is bell. I'm glad they put that in there. They at least got that line. I would, and they I, had uh, the... Uh, sometimes the uh, ground of man is stonier, or whatever that line is. They they got that one in there, too. The ground is sour. Then they, yeah, they got the sour ground in there, too. Are you glad that they left out? You don't want to go down that road. I I probably I mean though I would love to hear John Lithgow say that I think that would be like way I think at times too they had him speaking way like kind of like Cajun and I don't know why like but like at random points he's kind of like going like you think she's gonna be going down that <laughs> you're like when he's like talking Stop to, over for some crawdays yeah. well when he's like uh like like when he's um talking to Elle, like in the pet cemetery like you think she go back to your mommy over that it's like. What? Like, why are you talking like you're from Maine? And then, like, and then when he's like, "Have a good day," it's like that's John Lithgow. Yeah. That's like John Lithgow, like just like breaking out into John Lithgow, being like, "Oh, have have a good day over there, buddy. Make sure you 
wash the mud off, but, put some of that salve on it. <laughs> yeah. I, a I, word that does not get used enough, salve. I think that he does a good job in this film. I like... I think he's better than Fred Gwynn. Yeah, for playing it up seriously, for sure. But, and I, 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 he's definitely the best actor, because I, honestly, I don't think low-rent <laughs> Parks and Rec dad is good, because he's just like, like I, and like I said, he sounds like, this movie should have taken down the bayou. Like, you know, Pet Cemetery is down on fucking, by San Denis, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because he's like sitting there, like, mumbling, like, he's got, like, crawl dads in his mouth, like, oh, honey, sometimes, you know, when they die, go down there and things like, you know? <laughs> and then, Rachel, you know, Amy, she's just, alright. Yeah. I mean, but she doesn't really get much to do. That's true. She, they like, just kind of make her into annoying mom. Well, annoying not just, not, mom. well, it's not annoying mom, but just, like, stereotypical concerned wife. Yeah. You know, like, questioning the idiot male. Sure. Which, you know... Is I fu- did think she was a little bit annoying because she does, you know... I understand her grief in the moment of, you know, I just lost a kid. I'm grieving. And then she just winds up leaving her other... Her grieving husband home alone while she goes to stay with her parents. I, like, I get the grief. I get it. It's kind of a dick move. Because you're both grieving. Kind of a dick move. Just like, I'm taking the kids and leaving. But John Lithgow is easily the best part yeah. of the film. He's, you know, such a joy. There's a couple moments where he just is, like, a nice... And you get that... You get, you get like, a nice, like, feeling from him. The pro- the pro- the problem I have though, and it's not with him, but it's more like like this is where it goes back to like the whole like storytelling aspect, is he says he once buried his dog, him and his dad buried his dog there, and it came back and it came back wrong. Right. So and but then and he explains that it was always kind of an asshole. So. Yeah. So he thought this time with church it might be different, and he's got regrets and whatnot. But is is so? But is he constantly being pulled to that place? By the magic? Is he, like, or is he just an asshole? Because he comes off as a very nice, likable person. I don't think he's being an asshole. I think he legitimately, at least with church, like, he thinks, like, the church is a really nice cat. Maybe it'll work this time. But you would expect for him, like, and it looks like people have done this before. Like, there were, like, five or six cairns there. So... You would think like they would be stumbling through his backyard. Well, you would think. Like, well, you think. Well, you also think too. You're going up top of this place, and you see it's nothing but clouds, thunder, and lightning. Like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> you know. This is this one's gonna work out. You know what? You know what would cure my grief over my dead daughter? Going up on top of that fucking mountain and going to the Indian burial ground, and seeing fucking Hades itself, and being like, okay. <laughs> You know what? Um, sometimes dead. You I know he's in a better place. He's yeah, right. But... Sometimes dead is better. You know. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> I I and I do think that it's kind of funny that as a and, and I get grief too, and you make bad Shoot. decisions when you're you have grief. But I do think it's funny that like church came back and he just had like so many problems with church. Yeah, and then and he was just like, you know what though, Ellie's different. You know, I'm gonna try her in there. Which, by the way, terrible, like, dumbest way, like, for her to die. Well, I have a problem with the... Fucking oil tanker. I have a problem with the literal 
element which of the oil tanker coming off of the actual truck and slamming into her because there is no way they would be able to hug and have a nice open casket burial for her <laughs> after that oil tanker crushed her entire body. Mm. They just wouldn't I mean the logistics of that would be like I expected to see a fucking blood skid mark and like <laughs> they were hugging the pavement because that's all that's left to Valley at that point. But no, she's wholly intact and been pushed off into the brush. Well, also that yeah. CGI that they used for when it of it coming coming yeah. from her. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, I did have a problem with the, the whole tanker thing. Say, and yeah. I only saw like one trailer, but I didn't remember. But you, I you could totally tell like telegraph going into the movie. Like it's not going to be gauged. It gets yeah. You know it's gonna yeah. They didn't pull the hereditary aspect in this film of being completely harrowing. Uh, for killing a child. And I think if you're going to kill a child, which has been particularly taboo for whatever reason throughout movie history, uh, if you're going to do it, just fucking do it. Like, if you're going to do it, make it make it count. Make it stick. Make it, make it feel... Impactful. Horrible for your audience. Like, mm. that's what Hereditary does. Hereditary, when you watch it, it feels horrible. You feel literally sick. You're like... Good lord, that is like the worst feeling in the world. In Pet Cemetery, they make it seem like death for Ellie was like almost ver- fairly nonviolent. Ju- just, just passed in her sleep. Yeah, just you know, she literally just got punched by a trailer. It that was not a uh, like a nice and nonviolent death. It, you would have been crushed. Her body, like if if he had picked her up, she probably would have shifted all over the place, <laughs> like being like somewhat bodily jelly. And. and <laughs> It's just like the, you know, the, the logistics of it for a film that's like completely serious about that. It, that did take me out. Cause I was like, there's no way that she's just wholly intact in a field. Should have came back from Pet Cemetery Like, like fucking, yeah. you know, which also I don't get. Why is there like staples in her head? Well, they did apparently an autopsy and, and perhaps they, um, I don't know if I don't know if they I mean I don't know why they would have done an autopsy actually because it would have been like well, yeah the, she died it's from, clear yeah. she got punched by an oil tanker you know but, all her bones have been crushed yeah she, but, you know but uh, perhaps maybe they needed to sew it because the you know flying across pavement ripped her head open I don't know but uh, well I thought I was thinking more because they were hinting towards like something that like as she rose from, rose from pet cemetery no no I That's, think it was more because I, like, I uh, wasn't because I don't think like they were thinking of the logistics of like I'm not you know I like don't... like that like you were about the whole thing because the way the whole scene transpired yeah. I wasn't thinking of like oh yeah because from the, like an autopsy or like you know she got fucking skid marked on yeah. the road. You know, they had to put her back together. Yeah, like, it, was, it was more like... Yeah, and what they had to do was, you know, when... Actually, they didn't show it, but when she got thrown, her skull <laughs> actually yeah. separated yeah. from her her skin, and they had to staple it back together to have a nice little... Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. I, no, I, I, it was it was more hinted like yeah. it was something that like the like the demons of the underworld. Like yeah, we're gonna fix you, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> Though I yeah. find mortuary studies interesting. I don't know if uh, they actually do like a cranial opening to do like formaldehyde and stuff for preservation. I don't. I don't know if they do that. So it, it could have been that. But. It takes a special person to have that job. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I did, that, that did take me out of it a little bit because they they do do things very very seriously, and especially like that initial 
car accident with Victor, like that's pretty that's pretty graphic. They show like the even the nurse comes in and she's like his brain. Yeah, I know. He's like, <laughs> that's the, the, the show. They were in small town Maine. You yeah, know? like oh my god. You know, it's like, I could see his brain. It's like what? <laughs> Yeah, so... I Apparently mean, nothing bad happens there, you know? So, like, they do that super brutal, but then, you know, they have... Which also, at the same death, time, that looks, you know, looked fake, too. You yeah. Know, like, CGI'd in. You know, yeah, like it's, it's... So, I just... I did have a problem with Ellie's death, because I just wanted him to go all in. You know, if you're gonna do that, and you're gonna make it count, just, you know... Go the whole... I still don't get why they opened up to the film with the ending of, like, that. Yeah, it's a very... Like, is it just supposed to suck you in because then you got another 80 minutes of not that much happening to... More than that. ...to go through? More than that. Yeah. Because I do think that Pet like, Cemetery... Like, I, I, I knew, like, from the opening, it's like, okay, this is, this is the ending of the yeah, film. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, obviously, it's not like I'm a fucking genius on calling that, but it's like... But what when you get to the ending, it's like, so why was that... You didn't need that. You could have just started off with, hey, we're moving to, you know, we're moving to Maine. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. so much. I think Pet Cemetery is extremely slow for what we get out of it. So at a at hundred minutes, I think a hundred minutes would have been fine if the film had been able to um, pace itself a little bit better with the tension. Because uh, for long periods of time, like really nothing is happening. And you get a lot of moments of just like Lewis being like pondering why, why is church acting strange? Uh, Mr. Medical Doc. <laughs> what about what about that cemetery? What does that mean? And you just, like, a lot of... I would you're, say a you're lot just, of... You're basically just sitting there going, like, John yeah. Lithgow. More John a, Lithgow. A lot of, Get away from him. Just, we want more John Lithgow. Yeah, you know? a lot of Pet Cemetery is just Lewis pondering things. Pondering life. Pondering death. Pondering what it means when he's visited by Victor. And I just think that... Also, Some of that could have been cut. I say also, I can't remember. Did um, did Judd bury his wife in Pet Cemetery? Or? Um, it sounds like he did, because he says they do say something about like joining her in hell. Yeah, but the same. I so I, I you don't really know. So I don't. I it sounds like it. He did because he says like you're not my you know right. So but it but, also but, could be not because. He also says it's never been done before. He's like, what did you do? Because it's never been done yeah. to bury a human there before. Yeah. So it's hard to say. I don't. I, I, all I know is I feel bad for Judd. Just because even though he made mistakes, his heart was in the right place. And I don't, Absolutely. I, and I don't know if it's worth a damnation, you know. No, no. Yeah, his heart was totally in the right place because... He just did it for Ellie because he was like, she loves that cat. But but at the, but at the same time, at this, I mean, his heart's in the right place. But at the same time, again, like most people, even if you're in grief, you're going up to some fucking mountainside, and you got thunder and lightning crashing in this fucking very ominous fog. You're gonna, you'll be snapped out of whatever. Yeah, like a long you know, time to think about that. That's a long journey. Yeah, it makes it seem like that hike seems like yeah. you're going up. Fu- I when they started walking up those like very steep like steps, I'm like, what is this Skyrim? They're going to the throat <laughs> of the world. Like, yeah. going to see definitely go, a, going to see the gray beards. Definitely a uh, a long hike to think about that. Like, am I doing the right thing? Yeah, I don't know. I like. I just wish to like. Instead of pissing away time, spending around with like people like sitting around like kind of like, I want, I'm like, huh, I wonder what. Mm-hmm. Spending more time actually developing like Judd and Rachel and Lewis and like 
actually showing more of their character. Yeah. I think that's that's the you know the biggest flaw of the film. Yeah, I, I, um, I agree. I think Rachel is probably the least developed character in this film. So. And at the same time, too, I don't understand the change and why it's Ellie, Ellie, you know, being the one to get killed instead of Gage. I don't either, really. Um, I don't know why that makes would make it I mean, I, you, I think the only reason is, is kind of like what you're saying, one, they're probably not, they can't kill a two, can't kill a two-year-old these days. You'd have a fucking tweet, shit tweet storm on your hands. Yeah, and, and then, also it'd be a lot easier having a nine-year-old come back from the dead because if they're play, playing the same act, you know, have the same actress do it, so it'd be like logistically easy, easier because she's just like, okay, now you're gonna be undead. Woo! Watch me do ballet. The, the oddest part about it is that they didn't save it for people seeing the film. They legitimately spoiled it in the trailer. And that was like, it's weird because... Good, they're going back to the 70s where they tell the whole f- story in the f- but trailer. But it's weird because it seems like they wanted people to still think it was Gage that was going to be the one that would be killed in that accident. Because the whole thing plays out like Gage is going to be the one that gets hit by the truck in the film. So I feel like the trailer, whoever cut the trailer, actually did I a think, disservice. I think it's more that it's been 30 fucking years since the film. And so now they're just like, it's a new audience. Try something different. So, like, the most people who are going to probably be seeing this are either pe- Basically, the audience coming to see this film are going to be the people who saw the fucking original. Right. A tiny amount. And younger people who haven't seen the original. True. So, if you spoil, like, you know, spoil that twist away, which, again, isn't even really a twist because the fact that they spend so much time focusing on Ellie and her, you know, her as a kid, you know, as a kid, it's not really spoiling it. It's, you know. Yeah. It's something new. Just setting it up. Yeah. So that that's my thought. I don't think it's right. Yeah. Especially because the whole I think it's probably part, just part of the iconic outside of, you know, I think it's Fred just... Gwynn being iconic in the original Pet Cemetery and the cat, it's also the fucking kid coming back from the, you know, the 2-year-old coming back from the dead. So And I think it's probably just hard to find a good 2-year-old actor. I had to have four cats. Yeah. It's hard. And I mean, even this two-year-old Gage is played by two people, two kids. Well, so they do, they're do, twins. I said they do the whole twin they thing. They do the twin thing. So it probably, it's probably just hard to find a good two-year-old actor to actually portray things. Well, it's too. almost, almost kind of like, why even bother having him in there then? Uh, that is true, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, you could have just had Ellie be the one sole kid. Mm-hmm. And that would make it even more impactful, too. Because if it's your your only child, you know, your only child that died... You're pretty fucked up. That would give you more reason to, you know... Want to bring her back. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because at least with another kid, you have another kid to take care of. Yeah. You gotta look after them. God, if it was the fucking 1700s, every kid that died of cholera... Yeah. Fucking, you know, that pet cemetery would be littered with, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so uh, we gotta rate this sucker. And on a rating scale of uh, 10... Campfire blanket naps. <laughs> what would you give Pet Cemetery 2019? I'll give it a six and a half. I'll, I was thinking about giving it a seven, mm. but six and a half because the more I kind of think about it, thematically, it just doesn't work as well as I think it could have. 
I do think it's still an enjoyable watch, even though at a hundred minutes, which when you told me is an hour and forty, I was like, "Thank the fucking a film decided to be restrained in itself <laughs> and not you know breach the two hour mark." I do think it could have been a ninety minute film, um, and they could have been. I just wish the direction and storytelling was more focused thematically. Because if you're, I hate it when films introduce ideas and themes and they don't really follow up on them. Yeah, it's okay for them to leave them open ended, so you leave as an audience questioning like what you should take away from it. But the fact that it's so just very vague and they don't go into depth, and in it, it's very yeah annoying. Yeah. Um, I think the effects overall in this film are all right. The CGI, you know, when they use practical effects, it looks good. CGI. Not so much. I do like that in this remake, This the best part of the remake is the setting, the fact that they made it more wooded, the fact that they made it more gray and foggy, and it's just, it's more, a lot creepier than the original Pet Cemetery, where it's just a fucking rant. It looks like John Mellencamp's filming Pink Houses music video on the side of the road. Um, actors, you know, very bland. I do think um, the girl who played Ellie, though, as a child actor, very good, very enjoyable, not an annoying child actress, though she did a really good job, and John Lithgow, though, great, I don't think he got enough to work with, I think they could have done a lot more with him in this film, especially, again, exploring his backstory, because they leave it, again, a lot, very vague, um... And the downer ending, I'm a big fan of downer endings, but it just doesn't really kind of make sense. You know, after everything that happened in the film, um, what happened, the ending of it just doesn't really make that much sense. Mm -hmm. So I'd say it's a six and a half. I can't honestly tell you right now if it's better than the original or not, because again, it's been 15 years since I've seen the original, so though I remember bits and pieces of it, and like mainly the iconic parts of it, I couldn't give you a, a good comparison of it. But I do think this is because your dad was kind of scoffing at the film. Like, well, <laughs> yeah, woo, and it, you know, giving the little Paul Rudd noises. Um, but as I said to you, it's one of the least offensive remakes I've ever seen. Which you could take either way; could be a sin or could be okay. Hmm. Because the fact that it's a f least offensive means it probably didn't try enough to do something different and new and innovative, but at the same time wasn't bastardizing the product. So take that either way. Yeah, I would probably, I would give it a six. I think that it's, um, it's an okay film, but you're right. I think when you say that it's not really an offensive remake, I do take that sort of as a, in a bad way because it doesn't really do that much to try to, go past whatever the original did it doesn't doesn't do much different it changes some character elements and it changes uh some particular story elements but for the most part it doesn't really change the dynamic in that original film it pretty much follows it closely and then the only change is to the end which i think is a detriment to this film um it actually makes the theme lessened because of it so I think that it, that issue with it being a non-offensive remake is sort of a problem that it doesn't really it doesn't really try that hard to do anything different. Um, I think that it, it's an okay film with scares, and I think that the tension is there. It's just not overutilized. Um, I think that Ellie's uh, the the actress who plays Ellie 
does a fairly good job. I wish they had left out dialogue for her when she comes back from the dead. I think it would have been a lot more effective. And we see some scenes that are effective because of that. Uh, but others turn out to be sort of like one-liner, child's play, Chucky-type things, and it just doesn't work that well. Um, that's where a lot of like kids-driven horror films fail because they try to make cute little kids into something scary, and they're just not that great at delivering that. And so they, they're best off relying on other elements like silence and just the menacing nature of the suspense of them being there. Um, like I said, I don't think that the ending works very well. And I think there are a few other elements here that really should have been cut. Victor as a character um, that reoccurs should have been cut. Should have just been – it doesn't even need to be there. I know they were trying to follow along with the original Pet Cemetery in that sense. But here it really does play out like they copied an American werewolf. Yeah, it, 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 it seems exactly like that to the detriment of the film. It doesn't really add anything. It's a lot of pointless filler Um and some sometimes it doesn't even make sense, like why that would occur. And he only shows up like three times too. Yeah, you know, it just hospital, it's just... and then like when he gets up, he's about to go to Pet Cemetery to Barry Alley, and then I think like one other time before that. Yeah, and he and... appears to gauge, and it doesn't make sense. And yeah, yeah, it just they should have just left that completely out. And I think at an hour and forty minutes, this film is a little runs a little long. Um, they should have paced it a little bit better. Um, I think that. There's too many slow parts to the first, you know, hour of the film where it just doesn't really take off. Which is a shame, too, because it is a film that a slow pace would work in its, you know, favor. Yeah, like, yeah. again, slowly building up it's, to it. It's, and again, that's where you could have spent the time learning more about Lewis and his, you know, going more into his beliefs and Rachel and more and Judd and his backstory. But they spent so much time kind of hinting at it and kind of being very surface layered at it and then they you know it's like oh that's just there and then you spend 45 minutes just to get there instead of actually delving into it and then when you get to the end for all their character arcs it's like well wasn't that pointless instead of them actually doing something with it yeah it's just that the the pacing is just a little off and it just doesn't it doesn't take off like it should so Six out of ten for me. Um, I did appreciate that they included the original theme, Pet Cemetery, in here. Not the Ramones. Yeah, version. Done, not done by Ramones, but stick around for that um, last uh, credits. So that you, you hear that? As an I that I appreciate as an homage. So um, maybe think of it like if it's like the ending, like Spider Man. That's why I feel like it's going to be the end end credit song to Spider Man Far From Home. It's yeah. going to be like another Ramones song, like Pet Cemetery. Yep. Um, I will say, too, though, you say it doesn't do enough to kind of change the formula as a seek, as a remake. I agree, but at the same time, after we reviewed Suspiria, the, the remake of Suspiria, and how totally different it was as a film, yeah, it's an expectation we can't really hold in our hearts that often, because it's a very rare thing. True. And, and... I think the most offensive form would be like a shot for shot remake like Psycho was. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, so yeah, the just fact like completely the same. You know, where it becomes a total redundancy. This I don't think is a total, you know, a re- I don't think this film is so super similar to where it's redundant. It's true. I yeah. cuz you could say the same thing with like the remake of Night of the Living Dead from 1990. Yep. Even though um Tom Savini's <laughs> film is good, it is kind of redundant. Yeah. Because it's basically the same goddamn thing as the original, except Barbara's not an idiot this time. It's true. Yeah. And it's in color. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so uh, we are going to be back in two weeks, right? With Thanos. Yeah, right. That that will be Thanos and Thanos. Thanos is Thanos and Thanos. I just need to make sure that that's that's <laughs> actually going to be work out for us because we would see it on Sunday, April twenty eighth, and today is the sixteenth. So next week would so we would record it. This twenty third. Yeah. Yep. 30th. Yep. Yep. That'll work. It'll be Avengers. <laughs> I just had to make sure that the logistics of it worked out. It'll be Avengers Endgame when we're back in two weeks. So we're finally finishing out that era of Marvel film. Three hours. Good God. Three hours oh. long. So buckle up because this is probably going to be a long episode. Scarjo better have her boobies out. Uh, all right. Um, <laughs> so catch us next time for Avengers Endgame. Uh, we are on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, any other podcasting app that you might know of. We're on it. Uh, you can find us on there. Subscribe and leave us a nice review. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. Really? In the Oh, God. And Google, really? They have Captain Marvel build third? Yeah. Above Thor and... Oh, God. That's... No one's going to see this movie. We uh, Women! <laughs> we're on uh, Twitter at Blood and Black Rum. Uh, we have an email address at Blood and Black Rum Podcast at gmail.com. Write to us. Tell us what you want us to cover. And uh, you can also donate to us on our um, Patreon page at patreon.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Donate to us and it keeps our podcast running. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with Avengers Endgame. And we can't wait to uh, hear what you think about that movie. So... We'll see you then. Take care.